Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831-20. On today's show, we're talking about a new Scream movie in the works. Then we're going into a whole bunch of trailers, Soul, Invisible Man, and more. And then, oh, we've got a little bit of a game changer with the Endgame Oscar campaign. We're going to get into the details on today's movie talk. morning everyone you know how it goes now no more call sheet those topics that we just spoke about we're gonna get right into them with jay washington and matt donato hey hi guys we're starting actually at nine i know 908 or 907 so a little like behind the scenes details right now as the call sheet would be playing i we would just be sitting here chattering about nothing literally just sitting there talking to him so yeah so about this movie that's about to come out i would be stressing about about being even later for work that is what I would be doing. <laughs> but at least you show up to work. Do you have to change no, before I show you go to work? Up, I show up like this. <gasps> you have the best job ever. Casual you every great, day. A gra- another great shirt from Matt Donato. You're only allowed in the door if you're wearing a cool horror shirt. The first time I was on here, I said I will always yeah. up my graphic. We got a little your next going on here. I appreciate that. It's all cavity that. colors, too. This is I, I'm addicted to cavity color stuff. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm into that as well. So... Today is a very interesting day to have you guys on because we are talking about a lot of horror stuff. There's other things in the mix as well, but we got to get into this very first story because when I saw this break late last night, it's like, on the one hand, I'm not surprised, but on the other hand, I just had all the feelings in the world about it. Bloody Disgusting is reporting that Spyglass Media Group is developing the next Scream movie, and according to their article, it's still unclear if this next film is going to continue to be in the canon of the Wes Craven universe or if it's going to be a remake but they're hearing that as of the writing of the article Kevin Williamson who of course wrote the other movies is not writing this new screenplay so I'm going to let you guys have the floor first because I'm my head's going to spin out of control in a minute I think my face says it all we don't need this we don't need it, but it was an, uh, inevitable. I mean, that's the issue. Yeah, it was the always going to come. Things being rebooted and, and rehashed. Just, do we really want to see? I mean, we've already had, we have the TV series that very, there's a very small audience for. It's not a large audience. And when you're talking about it from a TV show to a film, we don't, what's great? No! Well, <laughs> that's the issue here. The issue is that this was always Craven and Williamson's baby. Every scream we got was from the original creators, where if you look at a Friday or you look at a nightmare, a lot of different people were involved in these sequels and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, you can reboot that. Because essentially, like, those were rebooted on sequels themselves. This is a singular story that was told by two people the entire time. And I always knew it was going to be rebo- uh, rebooted. But, like... If you do a sequel, you have to live up to the potential. If you do a reboot, now you have to live up to the potential of a Scream franchise that redefined the slasher genre. So it's like, do you really want to undertake that? So that brings me to my second thing where it's like we have these slasher icons who have been, you know, they're on the Mount Rushmore of like horror film and all that stuff. But do we really need to go back to the well on them? I mean, the Ghostface story has been told. We have a tremendous franchise from it. Look at the Child's Play remake. I mean, for me, that did not have to be Chucky at all. You could have created a new AI villain and a new horror icon and tried your own new thing. But instead, you want to go on brand recognition and say, oh, we're making another Child's Play. And it's kind of like, 
you can make another slasher that's not based on an old franchise. I mean, we can restart anew. With what you just said, it's like, I, I've said this before, so right now I might be contradicting myself, but the more I think about it, the more my thoughts on this evolve, and I can understand why you go back to the well with a popular franchise. It's a good business decision, but in, you know, in the case of, let's say, a Child's Play remake, or this for that matter... If you run with similar themes, but you don't change it enough, but you change the name, then you run the risk of saying, oh, well, that was just child's play all over again. It's, it's almost like it's a very difficult box to, like, but fight your way out the, of. And the one last thing I will say, though, in 96, Scream, like, redefined where horror was going. I mean, it brought upon an entire new subgenre that became the forefront of, like, Hollywood horror. So... Again, you're going to reboot something that did that much for the genre, well, and you're going to do it. Ne- Can you do that again ri- now? Rise to the challenge. You have to do that for the genre with this movie, but in a new way. But the problem becomes there, like you said, the bar is so high. The bar is high, no matter what, because it's already established. People, are, no one is going to go into a new screen movie, hope thinking of seeing something brand new. They're automatically going to have what the original franchise laid down as a foundation set in their head. They're automatically going to do that. That's just like with Child's Play, with Hellraiser, doing everything like that. There's something already here that you're like, if it doesn't meet or beat this, I don't care for it. I'm very conflicted on how I feel about this because of what they said in the article, that we don't know what this is even going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a Scream 5 or if it's going to reboot the entire concept. And I wouldn't say I have all the faith in the world in either idea, but if you're going to go one way or the other, just reboot the damn thing. Because that's where I get sensitive about Williamson and Craven not getting involved is because those were Mm -hmm. their characters and also... I think by the end of Scream 4, I was ready to kind of close the book on those characters and move on. I didn't need a Scream 5 right after that, but... But if you reboot it, it, you can't do the same thing. If you reboot it, you better do something new, modern, and of our era. But then you can't do what the MTV show did because, I mean, immediately, the second you take the ghost face mask and you change it to whatever atrocity that that show had, and granted, that show show grew on me. I came to like the characters. Even the third season? Um, I actually never even watched the first season. It, it got, I mean, it wasn't even connected to the first two anyway. It was completely different characters, and I just never got back around. I was waiting for so long that when it finally dropped, I never even bothered to watch it. Don't. I heard it was terrible. I mean, it was all. Yeah, uh, so. If you th- yeah, if you thought I'm the first not, two seasons were kind of disconnected. And- <laughs> but it's like, with nope. a, with a TV series, they threw out the mask, and I was all upset about that. But I watched, and I semi-enjoyed that show, but with the thought in mind that this didn't have to be Scream. Because not only did they not have the the mask, but it didn't really feel like they held on to that many of the themes of the original material anyway. But in this situation, I also, as a diehard Scream fan, that first movie is my second favorite movie of all time. I love it so, so much, but I am not kidding myself here because even though I have a major, major place in my heart for Scream 3 and Scream 4 to a degree, there are filmmakers out there that I think could do a good job continuing this. I, I believe in some of the people out there. And as much as I really do think Scream 4 is a good movie, yeah, some of it might have needed a little polishing. I enjoyed it, but I think there's talented filmmakers out there who could take this to the next level. It's just a very difficult challenge. But there are. But then that, like, again, that goes with any property. That's already established. There are always going to be great directors you could potentially put in that chair, hand that property to, and, you know, get the best. But at the same time, you don't want that. You want something new. And I think that's the biggest issue a lot of film fans, moviegoers are having where Hollywood as a whole is not coming up with new IPs. Look, at this point, everything's done. I get it. And there's some things you're going to reboot. It's going to happen. But at the same time, there's so many creatives who can think of new ideas and new versions of things that you should take a chance on. This shouldn't, this has already had its chance taken in the form of a TV series that has nothing connected to its original source material. And the thing is, not everything has been done. And that is also the issue because we're in need of a slasher renaissance. As a horror fan who mm-hmm. loves my midnight slashes and stuff like that, it's kind of gone to the wayside in mainstream horror, at least. But. There are titles out there that we're not talking about. Um, Party Hard, Die Young, Hit Shutter this year. Yes, I'm going to go into the indie well here because that is a <laughs> Party new- Hard, Die Young yes, is such and a, that's not a title I can't It is, it. but it's a brilliant slasher that's modernized the old tropes and done it in a way
way that brings slashers back into the forefront. And I'm not going to say anything about it, but like there are titles that we're ignoring that are doing interesting things with the slasher genre. I mean, uh, the Hatchet franchise, you know. I like yeah. the first film. I, I was going to say, I like yeah. the first film a lot, and then it kind of tapers off. I think that might be a little mixed. But you have to look at the budgets it wasn't given. So then it's like, we have all these people that are trying to make something new, that are trying to push that subgenre forward, and we're not paying attention to it. And then we're putting everything on something like a Scream reboot, when it's like, hey, we can actually look to these other places where it's actually happening, but no one's paying attention to it. I'm trying to think of the last recent slasher movie that's come out that really kind of like, made a big impression i mean i guess in a sense us can kind of be considered a little slasher but i think what we're talking about here is more so the idea of creating another iconic slasher to put on that mount rushmore because what is the most recent one we've had i mean i'm thinking probably jigsaw and sam but and, even, e- and even sam that's, that's quote unquote sam torture in, porn though that, that's, yeah both of those are considered that's, torture that's, porn there's we haven't trick or treat is not torture no, porn. No, no, trick or treat is. I'm talking about jigsaw. jigsaw. I, yeah, I, I, yeah I think on the surface you can call something like saw torture porn, but I I do think that that started in a place where that wasn't necessarily what it was about, and it actually had very interesting ideas it was getting it's into, it. and there maybe that long. went maybe that went away a little bit okay. as the franchise went along. But there is a reason that jigsaw is one of the most iconic killers of all time. Absolutely, and you know again. I'm not saying that we don't need a new scream or whatever like that. It, I, I hate to say it, but I want to see films before I really go out there and say, yeah, this wasn't necessary and stuff like that. But again, if we're going to put everything on scream, bringing slashers into the new renaissance, it's happening already and we just have to look for it. I mean, it, it, you have to put this indie horror up like more up front. I don't know. I want to jump into some live chat yeah. uh, questions and comments here. Kate VD is uh, is with me on this one. I love Scream 3. Do you guys like Scream 3? Yeah. It's very, very different. It but is. I it still is. think it's yeah. a blast. Yeah. Um, I had fun with it. It's one of those I had fun with. Yeah, exactly. We also have a question comment from Anthony DePuzo, who said, should they reboot Scream or make five? Scream is my favorite slasher and the only one that is the main characters in each installment, and that is one of its major charms. Bring on Scream 5, no reboot. If you guys were given the choice right now, would you go reboot or Scream 5? Reboot, because I'm not touching what uh, Craven and Williamson did. If you're not going to, obviously, if you're not going to bring Williamson back, do something completely different, find a way to make Ghostface new, and again, make modernize it. We've we've done that whole era of slasher, and there's now a new way to do a slasher. And again, Party Hard, Die Young, go watch it, because it finds a way to Where take... Where can I watch it? Shudder. It's on Shudder. Shudder? All right, I will watch it. But it finds a way to take like current themes of masculinity and toxic masculinity and things like that and put it into a slasher subgenre that, like, when you think slasher, you think of the 80s. You think of all, like, the grit and the grime and the kind of, like, you know fornicating and things of that nature so you it can't it becomes a commentary on what slashers are and again that's where this that's where this genre is going to go you can't go back and do the 80s slasher anymore in today's modern time you have to find a way to make it relevant all right i'm like i know i jump back to the 80s on on that but that idea because i think there's also interesting ways to spice that feeling up and i think the perfect example of that is the final girls which is a slasher movie that i think is super underrated as well but there's so many horror movies just listening between the two of you all that i need to watch that i've never (laughs) seen we could make a list for friggin days my man i just did the top 100 horror movies of the decade it's a great list too (laughs) so you can go find that nobody watches more horror movies than that guy right there Places, I mean, right? I don't. I lo- I love horror, but I haven't seen that much horror because there's a lot of other stuff out. Like me being stuck watching comic book movies and TV shows for people. Yeah, well, there's like one comic book movie ever. Wait, wait until you read the latest article on Disney Plus and the MCU, where I believe I haven't read the full report because it just broke as we were starting the show. But I think it's something to the effect of like you're gonna need Disney Plus to keep up with the big story of the MCU. Of so course you hope are. you got a lot more free time on your hands. We are gonna keep an eye on this new Scream movie as it develops. Right now, we are moving on to like a mega trailer block right now because there were so many trailers that dropped, and they're well worth talking about right now but the two that i want to start out with here are wendy which is uh ben zeitlin who directed beast of the southern wild like so long ago now he's finally back with another film and this is his take on peter pan so let's just start with that one because the two that i were bring up gonna uh, gonna bring up just now are like so freaking different i don't know how to (laughs) mush them together 
When you watched this trailer, did you think that it seemed like a worthwhile retelling of the Peter Pan story, even though we have seen quite a few? It's inter- It's scary, because when I think about the way you retell it, because we've seen a few, I think about the Jungle Book, how we do those different revis- revisiting of them. We had Mowgli, we had the other ones, you know, these different versions of them. And I'm like, okay, so we get it now from Wendy's point of view. And I think people have wanted some from the Darling Kids perspective. So now we see this. I'm interested in seeing it. The Firefly thing is kind of cool, but I don't know. For me personally, it's like, do we need this story told again? It looks very imaginative, though. Uh, Like, looking at the adventure aspects of it, I really like the way they played with the children. You know, Mm -hmm. this is from a child's perspective, and it plays into the visual aspects of the film, and it just seems very fantastical. And I don't know. I'm I'm giving it that benefit of the doubt It feels very Beast of the Southern Wild. uh The second, like, I knew what I was watching when I pressed play, but the second the the score in particular kicked in, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, you can almost pave the way from the Beast score, which still, whenever it plays anywhere and I hear it, I know exactly what that's from, but it could, like, weave right into this. And the same with the visuals, for that matter. I think if Beast of the Southern Wild proved anything to me, it's that uh, Zeitlin is able to very successfully tell a, a, a very challenging story from a child's perspective, very respectfully, too, where mm-hmm. they make those kids the lead characters. And I think that that is something we might need, maybe from like a grounded, gritty perspective, like this trailer made Wendy look. Yeah. So I kind of have a lot of faith in this one. I would think that after the success of Beasts of the Southern Wild, something like this might be positioned for an award season type of run. And, you know, the February 28, 2020 release date doesn't, doesn't really say that to me. But, you know, I always got the impression that he was the kind of guy that was going to work on stuff that he was super passionate about. And if it took him this long to get this movie finished, I imagine it's because he was pouring his heart and soul in it. So I have my fingers crossed that this keeps the bar just as high as his first movie. Yeah, because I feel like the way you just had that exclamation uh, point on that, I was like, there's no nothing I'm, else. I was like a huge, huge fan of Beasts of the Southern Wild. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and the, the feature directorial debut element of that is mind-blowing still to me. Another uh, mind-blowing in a completely different sense. This is why I separated these, because the next trailer we're going to talk about is uh, Color Out of Space. Yeah. So just to give you a little information on what's happening here stars Nick Cage as Nathan Gardner a man who finds his family his home and his life transformed into an unspeakable nightmare when a meteorite crashes into his front yard and brings a mutative alien organism with it and I don't even want to go to you first I want to hear what Jay has to say I feel like because I know it's so you what did you make of this on first watch Jay uh Nicholas Cage pl- is great when he's playing crazy when something's going out of control he can't deal with uh you can kind of identify that color as a purple pink magenta type thing blended with, with blue and white uh it's great to see Tommy Chung as the dude just like hey man it's in the earth it's in us it's everywhere. It's unique, though, how you just see a light and then you mm-hmm. see these plants growing and you see just different things happening or being overtaken, people being overtaken by it. It's interesting for me because I never heard of it. Again, you might have seen it at TIFF. You, of course, know what it is. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it. I, you I haven't seen it. I, I, I missed I it three different either. festivals. <laughs> oh, damn. I know. It was bad. So that means it was mixed. What's the general consensus on it? Is it mixed? The general consensus is extremely divisive. Okay. As, it, it's a Richard Stanley thing. Yeah, so yeah, it's I mean, like it's, it's going to be divisive no matter what. And I like how you're describing the colors of it, too, because one of my Twitter followers describes it as Pop-Tart colors. Yes. You think of like a Wildberry Pop-Tart? Yes, it's a Wildberry Pop-Tart. Yeah. So like it's he, legit. He, a, it's a now later. Yes, a now later. Not a now and later. A now later. I am uh, <laughs> I am the, the main voice on now and laters. Excuse me. Now laters. All right, I'll, I'll let you have it, but it's now and later. Eat some now and save some for later. Yeah, you are now, later, now, and now, later, later. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> uh, in any case, I'm very here for the trailer. It is extremely my-ish, as you have just said. And, I, I mean, it's going to be, I think, on a downplayed level than Mandy. Mandy, I think, is going to be that pinnacle that everyone's going to like mm-hmm. compare it to, and I don't think it's going to quite reach there. But... You're still getting Crazy Cage. You're still getting everything you yeah. want in that level. And again, it just looks vivid. It was all a those colors. Very, very smart move to drop the Mandy title card in yeah. this just of because course. it brings you back to Crazy Cage. And also, that movie had a really unique color palette. It was absolutely wild. Drenched so, in Donato Reds. <laughs> of course. It does seem like 
this trailer very well sells the fact that, like, if you like Mandy, come on over to this one. And, hey, I applaud Nick Cage for all this stuff he's doing right now. Jump in front. Like, I'm thinking back to mom and dad. Then I saw Mandy. And now I've got this to look forward to. And Primal this and week is out. I know. I know. You're, <laughs> you're really Cage pushing on Primal. on a boat versus the animals that he's captured as a big game hunter and also a political assassin. All right. That exists. Nick That's Cage is like, look, Samuel L. Jackson can take any script he want to do it. I'm gonna do the same thing. Uh, I, do not compare Cage. And Sam I'm, I'm not saying no. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Sam, take, he's literally said, you send him a script, he'll do it. It looks like with a lot of movies. Nick, Nick will say, say the description of Primal again. Say it again. Nicholas Cage is a big game hunter stuck on a boat with the unleashed animals he has captured, including including a snow leopard, plus a political assassin that let them all free. Who's being transported stateside because he's being extradited. Uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm in, but I'm just saying, listen. <laughs> it's actually not bad. It's actually not bad. Samuel L. Jackson played it. a black where, man where, in a kill game. Do you know where that one's available? VOD. That's VOD? Straight, VOD? All right, stuff. all right. Look, but I'm saying you have those different, you have these type of films where it's like Nicolas Cage is not holding himself to one type of film. He's like, I'm going to have fun. I feel like with the things he takes, though, they're on a different quality level than Sam Jackson. Don't get me wrong. I think it's like Danny Trejo and Nick Cage are on the same page. Oh, wow. A man I respect the hell out of. <laughs> right, yes. Don't get me wrong. I just watched Danny Trejo in an episode of Flash again. But you have Samuel L. Jackson who played Elmo McElroy in Formula 51. Never forget that. He played a black man with French braids and a kilt. <laughs> Cornrows and a kilt. Like, what else do you need? He played the president in Big Game. This is very true. <laughs> All right. Sorry, we're getting so off topic. I know. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying the fact that I've organized this list in the weirdest possible way because now we're going to shift in the exact opposite direction <laughs> and go over to the first teaser trailer for Pixar's Soul. So this one, just briefly here, I think I have a little piece of this synopsis. Um, it introduces Joe Gardner, a middle school band teacher whose true passion is playing jazz. And then it looks like someone from the film is describing it as Joe having that crisis that all artists have. He's increasingly feeling like his lifelong dream of being a jazz musician is not going to pan out. And he's asking himself, why am I here? What am I meant to be doing? Joe personifies those questions. And then if you watch the trailer, obviously things take a, an, an interesting turn when, and actually this is another great example of the perfect time, the perfectly timed uh, other title drop in a trailer. Mm -hmm. They dropped inside out at just the right moment because I'll never forget years ago when I saw the very first teaser trailer for inside out, I'm like, yeah, cool. I believe in you, Pixar, but how the heck are you going to make a full feature with this idea? And the fact that I had this feeling a little bit with soul, with bringing souls to life. They gave you inside out. Yeah. And then they gave me inside out. Yeah. And it was the reminder just when I needed it. Remember how you doubted us then? Don't doubt us now. I think this has major potential all over again. I just like seeing Jamie Foxx play Jamie Foxx, even when it's just his voice. Because that's all it is. It, I always I, I, I respect Jamie so much. I've had the pleasure of talking to him and hanging around him. And I know what Jamie can do as an actor. But sometimes I just want to see him push a little more. This is Jamie Foxx literally just talking into a microphone, reading his lines. And there's nothing wrong with it. But it's like the character, I feel like you should get more. And I understand it's just a teaser trailer. I get that. But I just want more than just Jamie being Jamie. I mean, we're going to get that. It's a Pixar movie. Yeah. And I feel like this is, it's a perfect Pixar trailer where it sets up what is possibly going to be a very in-depth story, but it does it just enough where it's like, oh, here's a funny cowboy dance. And you get the duality <laughs> of both, like, I think it will go in the right places and it will get deeper than just what you're saying. Yeah. It's just Jamie Foxx reading lines, but it's, it's Pixar. Just, do, we, do we really doubt it's also a teaser. It's a teaser. Yeah. Also, the movie, once I did some discovery, it has Felicia Rashad in it. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Felicia Rashad. Okay, so I'm good with America's Mom. Also, it's a teaser at like a minute 30 still, though. <laughs> like, right. can we get back to teasers being 20 seconds again? Can I bring this up no, again? No, because now teaser. that's not even a teaser trailer. Now that's a trailer teaser. Right. Sorry, yeah. Because I think that's the thing I'd like to cross off the list. No more trailer teasers. Just one trailer. How about one trailer for every movie? That's it. Let's just stop no, all this. No, like, no. Because you, yeah. you need a... I do understand, like, the art of building anticipation. It's like, I keep going back to Birds of Prey as my example. I love the idea and i don't even know if this is their plan but i like the idea that they kind of like 
reorient you in a, in a Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in her world. And then I'm going to bet that the next full trailer for that movie is about the rest of the Birds of Prey. And that's just going to, it's like my anticipation's here. Then I'm going to meet new characters and I'm going to get more excited. Yeah. And before you know it, I have even more urgency to see that movie than what I started with. Yeah. But with Soul, I'm just, I'm excited <laughs> for it. Go back. So I am excited for it, nonetheless. I Inside Out got me all of my emotions because I saw Inside Out for the first time when I was in the hospital last year when I almost died. Um, I'm a fan of Coco, and I'm a fan of Up. So anything that is an emotionally based movie from Pixar, you pretty much got me anyway. They really have a knack for exploring very complex human emotions mm-hmm. and behavior in a way that, you know, gives adults something additional to chew on, but also makes for a very entertaining experience for kids. And I'll always applaud them for that. Yeah, but no adult ever expected to be like, man, I'm going to go and watch this kid's movie. It's going to be a basic kid's movie. Come out, tell me some, damn, my allergies. Because that's literally how you leave a Pixar movie. You're in tears. You're, you're in your heartstrings and being plucked. And you enjoyed it more than your child did or the child you went with. Because I know I've argued with my daughter a couple times about I'm going to watch Inside Out, not you. Uh, But it happens. You know, those things happen like that. So that's the beautiful thing about this. Yeah, again, a teaser trailer. You know, you get enough with Tina Fey just to do a little cowboy dance. You know, you get Jamie Foxx playing the neurotic jazz musician. And so, like you said, we wait. It's what, 2020 when this comes out. So we'll probably get one by Christmas. Probably get the actual full trailer by then. Round time with the family and stuff. I mean, it's Pixar. At this point, you've earned the fact that I'm just going to go in expecting to be destroyed by everything. Like, like, <laughs> no matter it's what. It's thing now. You've done so much right that, like, just prove me wrong. I'm never going to go into a Pixar movie until they do prove me wrong. And they haven't yet. So it's just like, yep, another Pixar movie. Great. I'll be there. I'll probably cry. This is going to be cool. <laughs> All right, guess what? We're making another uh, sharp left right now and going back to horror because also this morning, bright and early, we got the very first trailer for Lee Wan ls Invisible Man movie. Yeah, this trailer was a lot. So speaking of the teaser trailer for Soul being very long, it felt like they packed a lot of movie into this trailer. And, you know, I have a lot of faith that we didn't see everything that's the coolest thing about this movie it's just when it got to the quick cutting uh wrap up i'm like whoa are you showing me the third act now don't do that well i think blumhouse and you know ever what they're doing is taking all the universal monsters at this point and hopefully this is the jumping point to what we'll get more like in a wolfman and things of this nature so i think they have to build the anticipation up front and they have to show us that like this isn't going to be that failed dark universe (laughs) dark universe is dead just to clarify because we did have a question in the live chat from thelonious who was asking is this new invisible man part of the dark universe no no. dark universe is so dead just ignore all the the that. because i I wonder if they've like refurbished the empty offices that are still on the lot from that failed oh. cinematic universe I, the, the failed cinematic universe like three times over like they tried like the wolfman like with benicio a while ago then what dracula Ar- 2000 was was well, yeah, dracula yeah. was supposed to be one of them and then like in the dracula new iteration well in the new iteration the invisible man would have been johnny depp i believe so that yeah. right there is again johnny depp ain't in this trailer this ain't dark universe Man. and this is blumhouse though taking it and doing their own thing with the universal monsters where Directors are going to get their own take. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be unified if it does well. It's all going to be, it's all going to be on Lee Wenell's Invisible Man, I think. Yeah. It's lower budget. They're doing things on a much smaller scale, but they've proven they can do this. And, and this trailer does exactly what I say. Do something new with a property we've seen over and over mm-hmm. again. That one scene where you first see Elizabeth Moss standing outside and he's breathing behind her mm-hmm. and you see the breaths. I was like, okay, so this is what this that's is. That's some Hollow Man stuff that's right some there. Hollow, yeah, that's yeah. literally it. Right it reminds you of jumps. Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man, how he was just torturing everybody. Even the scene where she's in the shower, he puts his hand up there, things mm-hmm. like that. And you see Aldous Hodge and everybody else's supporting cast around her is like, you, you crazy, this isn't happening. She's like, no, I'm telling you, this is happening. And it keeps you with it throughout the trailer. You don't get to the point where you're watching the trailer, you're like, all right. What else? And you just keep seeing something else, and then something else, and then something else. And you're like, okay, I'm into this, but again, I'm with you. Did you just show me the whole third act? I really don't think that's the case. I I feel like they wouldn't let that happen, or I hope they wouldn't let that happen. But 
in all the super cool visuals I saw in this trailer, it just like reinforced all the faith that I already had in Lee Wanell because it reminded me of what he did with a character in Upgrade that, you know, a human being with a different kind of ability and what he was able to do with that visually that mm-hmm. I had really never seen before. And it seems like he's going to apply the same thing here with someone who's able to be invisible. And then when you think of the emotional arc of the movie, it's like, who better to carry that than Elizabeth Moss? He is clearly putting that character through like absolute hell in this movie and I've just seen more than enough of her work to know that she is going to be the anchor of this movie and she's going to be able to ride this whole thing through and make it a super powerful experience. Even real quick in the early part of the trailer when you see her leaving the house Mm -hmm. and she's Mm -hmm. packing and she runs and she gets in the car with her friend and then he just pops up by the window. Okay, I'll admit I was watching the trailer on my laptop here in the office and I jumped because you didn't expect that. And I think that's one of the good things about a trailer when it does that with a horror film. It's like, you don't expect that right then and there. You saw him sleep, and she's gone running through the woods, and then he's just right there. And I'm like, okay, so, yeah, and then breaks a window. I'm like, mm-hmm, that'll be $22 at the movies I spend. And uh, actually, this is another February release for next year, and for this one, I happen to think that the, it is like the pitch-perfect time to drop a movie like this. Yeah. I feel like Nobody's there's going to be a little bit of a lull in genre material, and I feel like that's where we get those random movies pop. So well, after upgrade it could too, happen. After Upgrade, I was kind of like, I don't know who I like better at this point, like Lee Wanell the writer or Lee Wanell the director, yeah. because I adored Upgrade. And after watching this trailer, I'm so sold on whatever he's going to do creatively. And the most horrifying parts obviously are like the thematic elements. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be like overtly scary. Like you're saying, definitely going to be some jump scares, mm-hmm. stuff of that nature. But I mean, the predatory aspects and like the gaslighting and stuff yeah. like that, like when has crafted something and he's taken the invisible man into the modern era. And that is what's most impressive about this trailer. It's like, okay, how are you going to bring me back in? Are you just going to do the same thing we've seen all over again? And it's like, no, like hollow man had that level of cheese over it. That was always meant to be a beat movie, but like, I know we made that comparison. Invisible Man, I think, is going to go to a completely different level. All right, guys. I'm going to leave this to you now. Of the trailers we spoke about, Wendy, Color Out of Space, Soul, and Invisible Man, which did you like the best? Which are you most looking forward to? Hit the comment section below and tell us about it. Now we've got some really cool promos to tell you about. First up, if you've been on Collider.com this morning... You saw a really cool announcement. I know many of you have been asking about Collider FYC. Where is it? Truth of the matter is we had to take our time because we were working on something very special for the series. We're partnering with Arclight and we're going to do a screening series right here in Los Angeles that you can check out. So keep an eye out for all the updates. You're also going to get regular episodes of Collider FYC very soon. We can't wait to share that with you. And also later today, you've got Jedi Council with the new cast. Great group of individuals right here. Ace, Emma, and of course, Ken Knapsack. I hope you enjoy the show later today. And get ready for this video we're about to show you because Matt Goldberg, you made my day. This is so much fun. Watch his Hobbs and Shaw adventure right now. I am an ice cold can of whoop ass. We applaud you. That was delightful. All right, let's move into our final topic of the day. We actually covered this a few weeks back because Disney posted their FYC page for Avengers Endgame, and there were a whole bunch of things to consider for award season, but there was one glaring omission, and it was Robert Downey Jr.'s name. Now, we refresh that page, and whose name is on that list? Not just Robert Downey Jr., but... Yeah, a lot of the supporting cast, there are so many people listed under the best supporting actor and actress category. You guys see this update? What does it make you think? Are you changing your mind about Endgame's acting Oscar potential, or does this not even matter? No, it it doesn't matter. You're listing people that had cameos in the film as best supporting actor, and then you compare them to favorites like Willem Dafoe or someone that actually has a whole role in a film. 
There's no comparison here. Jay, you're making faces. Where's Denai Guerrero and where's Tessa Thompson? Uh-huh. Yeah. So looking at this list, it looks like they just included everybody who wasn't dusted in Infinity War, and that was the the glaring omission yeah, we noticed. Because you, you and I both said this before we went on air. Denai Guerrero wasn't included in the poster until it had to be this whole big Twitter uproar to say, oh, somebody made a mistake. And now Tessa Thompson who has a pivotal role in this because she becomes the king of Asgard afterwards. This sets up a whole nother movie. She's seen a couple times just as much as Gwyneth Paltrow was seen and as much as Brie Larson is seen, but she's not included. That's ridiculous to me. I get you're just going to say, we're going to include everybody that was not dusted. You say that, but again, you missed two. You made sure all the guys were included, all of them, except for Bradley Cooper, because Rocket is a pivotal character. He could be in that category too. Somebody made a major mistake with this. And again, it's, it's easy to say, well, if we just put Robert Downey Jr. because the fans will be, well, what about Chris Evans? What about Chris Hemsworth? They'll go all that. So you just say, throw everybody in there. But you didn't. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, I do think it matters that if you take this approach and you leave certain names off, that's not cool. But from the stance of just predicting Oscar potential right here, <laughs> I think this means absolutely nothing at this point. I definitely was rooting for Robert Downey Jr. to get into the Best Supporting Actor race, but I, th- I think that ship has long sailed. There is just so much competition this year that, you know, whether you put their names on a list or not, I don't think it matters at this point. And I still do think that Endgame has obviously loads of potential in a bunch of technical categories mm-hmm. and maybe does still have a shot at best picture. But like, if I'm being completely honest, in working on FYC prep, I've noticed that on a lot of my list, I've kind of forgotten about it. And maybe it's because it's not the most recent release, but that is a very real problem when it comes to Academy Award nominations is you got to make sure to keep that movie on the forefront of everyone's minds because if they forget and if they don't vote for you, that's when your Oscar chances go and I mean there's a reason why all these Oscar contenders come out in the late fall and we're kind of around when award season is you know because those are the ones we're remembering and those are the ones you know you can still make a memorable performance early in the year and if it sustains that's just a testament to quality but again the fact of the matter is I'm not thinking of anyone from Endgame to be a best supporting actor here. I mean they it's not that they didn't play their parts well it's not that they didn't do a good job it's just I, when I watch the Irishman or things of that nature and you watch Pacino and Pesci and again bringing up Defoe in the lighthouse that was man that was acting on a level that you just don't see that often yeah we talked about that when we saw all these different movies even Eddie Murphy and Dolomite right yes you have so Mm -hmm. many different eating even I mean definitely there you have so many and when you bring up the time of the year we got to remember last year you had Black Panther that made it from February all the way through the year before Logan stayed in the conversation from March till the end of the yep. year. Logan stayed in the conversation throughout the year. So timing is one thing, but now like we're so loaded at this point with potential with Oscar potential actors and actresses that it's hard to remember Endgame as, as aside of just being this gigantic ensemble movie. Yes, it was the culmination of 23 films. And like you said, a lot of technical awards, absolutely. When it comes to the best actor, best actress, best supporting actor and actress, I think that's why they went supporting too in the hopes it can slide in on that note. Because if you definitely try the best actor or best actress, you're that, not getting it. You're not no. getting any love. That's why you put supporting because you have a chance to slide. We don't we don't talk about many but supporting. Even but even look at the supporting list right now. It's like if you want to think about front runners, you got Brad Pitt and Once Upon a uh-huh. Time in Hollywood. I am predicting that one's a lock. And the same could be said for Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in The Irishman. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. And then also we have uh, the two popes, Anthony Hopkins. And so you already have an overcrowded and then, and race, then, and that bumps out Sterling K. Brown, right. who I think deserves uh, I think he deserves consideration for waves, and that might not happen. And like, can we really give Brie Larson a best supporting actress role uh, award for like three lines? Like, like she literally vanishes the entire movie, and that's a plot point in the film. Yeah, that she that's leaves not a supporting role. Yeah, that's she literally leaves. She literally tells him, "Look, I'll be back. Yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm gonna go and she'll like, I'll be back. Like, Y'all will th- see me later." I think one could call just about all of these supporting they're, roles they're because I mean. It's, supporting it's, an un, it's an ensemble film. I think she she is more than a cameo, though. Yeah, I, people yeah. say she's not, she's more than a cameo like, because a cameo of what she does. To me, would feel like Evangeline Lilly is Wasp. Fair. Or or to that that point, 
all the characters who came back just for the big epic battle. Those, those, are, those are more so cameos. Right, than Tom these. Holland included. But she has like five more minutes. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, te- but Tessa Thompson has more than both yeah. her yeah. and Gwyneth Paltrow. And, you know, because Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah, everybody said, okay, well, she finally suits up as rescue. We see her five years later. Well, not even five. We see her first when, she, when Tony comes back to Earth. Spoiler alert. When Captain Marvel, who we first see for the first two minutes, brings Tony back to Earth. We see that. But to say her over both Denai Guerrero and Tessa Thompson to not even be included, I think is a thing. And again, Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. That is it. I will also go there because Bradley Cooper should be included in that just as much as anybody else as supporting actor. The voice work he does. The voice work and the emotion behind it is enough. Well, there's there's I mean, this gets into a completely different kind of conversation. But with Bradley Cooper, there are so many other individuals responsible to bring uh, Rocket Raccoon to life. Whereas then I think back when her came out and it's like that performance was Scarlett freaking Johansson. See, and Scarlett was. Yeah, Scarlett's performance as the voice of the computer. You see what I'm saying? So it's you can't take away from that though certain I, I get what they're trying to do but you can't you have an obvious glaring omission when what you're trying to do leads out leaves out people i mean it's we're not saying that endgame won't win an oscar like suicide squad is an oscar like please any, i hate the fact that we have it. to say a suicide because it's squad. fun to say oscar nominated <laughs> oscar, no, sorry, oscar winning winning suicide squad, suicide squad for hair and makeup but <laughs> but it's just that i get like i said when it came to the Robert Downey Jr. thing, you didn't want to just put one and then have all this backlash of why no one else. Fair. So if you're going to put everybody, put everybody. Also, not to bring up recent topics, but is this just Iger throwing more shade at the whole Marvel movie debate going on right now? Like, oh, wow. Like, not to bring that up again. And not, I hate no, bringing I, it up because it's a it. dumb conversation. It. But, like... Is this a response to that? Is this a response saying, like, guess what? You don't think our movies are cinema? Well, now all of ours are in contention, or I all mean, our actors are in contention for an award. Really? How about that? Who knows? For for all we know, they were pushing for Robert Downey Jr. to be added to this list, and he was like, well, I want everybody to recognize. Maybe that was the narrative. Maybe what you're saying is true. I don't know. I'm surprised I didn't think about that sooner. That's why <laughs> I'm yeah, here, Perry. Don't, don't worry. You always got my back. All right, let's go into uh, the live chat now for a couple questions. Wait, I saw a question. Can I? Can I suggest a question? Huh? Oh wait, great... wait. One really, one really quick point. Yeah. Zeno Hour is telling us that Lee Winnell just tweeted. For those few thinking that the Invisible Man trailer shows too much, you're wrong about that. Trust me, Lee. I do. Okay, what was your question? No, I was in, I was looking at live chat questions really? already. Yeah. Oh no, I, I have it up the whole time. I'm kind of hey, curious. Hey, someone's stealing your job right now. <laughs> I look at him too. So no, I gonna... literally just got somebody posted like, "What do you think the next Universal monster should be, and who should direct it if it gets there?" And I think that's a really interesting question because I have things I want to talk about there. Okay, no, let's. See. I want to hear what you have to say now. Um, literally, I did a I did another article on Slash Film where I asked Haley Fouch and a bunch of other horror journalists. Let's dreamcast the the Blumhouse Universal monsters hmm. uh, take, and I want to see like Justin Benson and Aaron Moore had do Bride of Frankenstein hmm. because the way that they can do romance and horror together is amazing. Um, David Bruckner from The Ritual, give him the Wolfman, oh, yes. and watch him do effects work with that. Ben Wheatley Frankenstein, he does such good stuff with like classism and like things of that nature where he can bring the horror of society okay. out. I think there's so You're much You're backing potential. up your points very well. Ben, ben Wheatley I, is... No, I know. They're, they're weird to hear. It's um, a lot. Agnieszka Smoketchenska, using that one again from the <laughs> lore to do um, Phantom of the Opera. How much fun would like a Euro trash, right. like super peppy uh, Phantom of the Opera be? I also just really enjoy the fact that you're pairing horror filmmakers that should be more well-known names with big properties like this. And I think that's what uh, Blumhouse you know, uh, what they have in their corner versus, you know, big universal making the dark universe is not being reliant on A-list talent necessarily or, like, the most famous yeah. of the famous names. Not that Elizabeth Moss isn't A-list. She most certainly is. But having some lesser-known folks both in front and behind the uh, the lens working on these. I think that's when you get more creative approaches, and that's where I think the longevity of a franchise comes from, not putting the cart before the and horse and revealing is, a whole, yeah. like, freaking profile picture with 
you know, six or seven super famous people. I'll, I'll never forget that picture. It's You look at it and you're just like, wow, that is so much yeah. potential. But also, like, it's just going to be the same thing we've seen over and over again. You're not going to take any risks where it's like, Wanella's taking risks. We're seeing that already in the trailer. It's and just incredible. That's what excites me. I just want to study more horror directors, more no, lesser known ones, because I'm sitting here just bouncing back and forth <laughs> like the ball it's like and a ping pong. Just going, <laughs> doop, doop, have, you seen, have you seen The Ritual? No, it's on Netflix. There's a good one to start with. Okay, it's rich. that. That's a great movie. I'm a big fan of uh, Bruckner's work. Okay, um, I was gonna say. What about you? Else. What, do, what do you got, Perry? Um, not to put you on the spot. I apologize. Oh yeah, because I also asked you to do this article and you never got anything back to me. <laughs> Did you really? Oh my god, now I feel so bad. Did you ask me in the last two weeks? Because I forgot a lot I of other this things. Like a year the... ago, this was like when the the announcement came out. Wait, let me think about what I was doing a year ago so I could find another excuse. I mean, you were being busy as usual, twenty four seven. I'm so that... sorry, man. Haley did it, Perry. I feel so bad now. You know, I have Jewish guilt for days. I'm going to lose sleep over this tonight. <laughs> and it's fun for me to bring that up. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, let me think of, so- of someone uh, I'm really into right now. What what classic monster could uh, be served well by the, the fairy tale vibe? The fairy tale vibe? I would say... Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, that that would go for that. Issa Lopez. That's my go-to for just about everything with that kind of feel right now because tigers are not afraid. Yeah, phenomenal. Issa came up literally. I had like ten people doing this, and Issa came up for every Universal monster. Like she is a hot name right now, just to do something in that world, which I think she would slay. But she's doing a werewolf western. Produced huh. by Guillermo del Toro, so I'm oh, very yeah. much into that. Oh, that that's funny. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Especially after seeing Tigers Are Not Afraid. I'm, I'm a fan of her. So. Werewolf Western, you had me right there. Yeah, that's, uh. you know, I saw Wolf Cop. And, wolf Cop? Yeah, Wolf Cop. <laughs> Did you see another Wolf Cop? Uh, no, I have not seen that. See another, another Wolf, wolf Cop. Cop. I've got to see that. But Tigers Are Not Afraid, and to hear a Werewolf Western <laughs> movie directed by Issa Lopez, I definitely can be... I'm, in for that and one. like produced hardcore by like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. It's not like a G- uh, Guillermo del Toro presents. It's right, like, it's like no, let's he do just this. got his name slapped no, on. Yeah, he's, he's, he's into this idea. Yeah, we actually have a question in the chat that kind of pertains to this. David Wilson is asking us, "What classic Universal horror film would you want Blumhouse to tackle next?" And David says, "Give me Jason Isaacs as Dracula, please." Oh, see. I go away from vampires and Dracula right now because we're getting that uh, the other movie about uh, Dracula's voyage on on the sea, directed by. I'm surprised you don't know the like the voyage I'm of the Demeter or blanking right now. I, I'm just having a brain fart. Not, we're, and we're also going to get Eggers' Nosferatu. I mean, it's just a matter of time. I think you think after I the lighthouse, know. I was sitting there. Has has he made a statement that his no. intention is to make that his next film? No, not at all, but that was in development for a while. He was going to do Nosferatu, and then it never came to be. And then you watch The Lighthouse, and I'm just going with the shading and everything about it. I'm like, this dude has to do a black and white Nosferatu. It is Andre Overdahl. The movie is called oh. The Last Voyage yes, the, of the okay. Demeter. I, I keep getting – Andre Overdahl – I think Andre Overdahl is also the one attached to the Long Walk adaptation, which like – Give me that Boom. now. How has that movie not been made already? Because those are hard adaptations sometimes. And They're that hard is... adaptations, but look at how the industry works. That is basically like an alt version of Battle Royale and the Hunger Games. The second the Hunger Games was hot, I can't believe someone didn't fast track that. That's a good, no, that's a good point. But they went the more YA route and the young adult route versus that's going to be a more that hardcore. That is such a nasty, nasty book, and I love it. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't get away with the nastiness in that kind of subgenre. Like, Hunger Games is downplayed a little bit. Like, things of that nature. Like, you're playing to the teenage crowd. I don't think you can do the long walk for a teenage crowd. That's going to be. Yeah. No, and I mean, I don't know. Actually, now that I'm saying you're it. You're trying if they, to rationalize it in your head? It's like. If in Hunger Games they got away with children fighting to the death, why can't they get away with children walking to the death? (laughs) Right, yeah, and like that is the long walk. Like, just describe yeah. it really quickly if people. Don't oh yeah, know what yeah. It if, is. You've like, never, <laughs> if you've never, if you've never read the long walk, it's a Stephen King slash Richard Bachman novel, and it's basically about a whole bunch of kids who sign up to do the long walk, and the winner at the end gets whatever they want. But the thing is, you're not a lot allowed to walk below a certain pace, or Jedi, and yeah, it's it's really really brutal, and there can only be one winner. So there's a there's a lot of like uh, very uncomfortable moments in that. Yeah, book. I don't think you're getting away with the PG thirteen version of that. I think 
But depending still, on how they do the it, same, they can. It's they still can. The same but idea of the Hunger Games, though. I, I know. I know. It's like still like uh, you know, Katniss makes friends with people around her, and it's true. not everyone can live. Well, we're getting it now, so that's all that matters. <laughs> all right, Jay, are you interested in the long walk Jay, at Jay's all? Jay's been quiet this whole okay? time. Just going like, you guys do your thing. Like, you know, just like, this is the one time we get on Jay. Twitter right now, <laughs> just like your Facebook. This is this is the time you get Jay to be quiet. People are like Jay talk a lot. You let them talk about horror. Are you going to see Doctor Sleep? Yes, I am. I'm absolutely. going to Are you go psyched see. for it? I am pumped up behind it. I, right. I love The Shining, and I understand that it's a take of the book and you know things like that. So I'm like, okay, cool. I want to see it. I have an open mind, so I have no. High expectations. Okay. I try to go into movies like, see, because I heard what you said earlier. Yeah, I yeah. Didn't mean we that. we fall on opposite sides yeah, of the divide with the movie. We do. But, it, but it's just, I, it's certain movies I try to go in completely with no expectations because this way I don't have to go in thinking, oh man, it should have been this and now it's that and I'm disappointed. You know, I want to be able to say, hey, I liked it or it didn't, and I definitely want to see Doctor Sleep because I'm into movies that revisit The Shining. All right, the I'm scary in. Scary ass I'm twins. Into- That's well, you know. Yep, there's a lot there. Pencil this in. Remind me to ask you what you think about the movie on next week's show. Okay, I will, right. for sure. Deal. And also, you know, if you want more Dr. Sleep content, there are so many articles on Collider.com. I also got to interview director Mike Flanagan and the cast. You can find all those interviews on the Collider Interview YouTube channel. Matt, Jay, thank you so much for spending thank your you. Thursday morning with me. This was fun. This is fun now. <laughs> There's no call sheet. We get it's, straight into yeah. it. it I, you know, it is. It, it's kind of it. nice. It's right on the, into the, it. The call sheet was extremely well produced, and I liked having it as a utility piece especially to share on social media to catch everybody up on some of the hottest movie news but sitting back relaxing and talking movies is is what i love most we'll do it so, live yeah we always do it live, we'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> all right adam in the booth that in the live chat thank you guys so much for your help to everybody out there you know where to go next over to the collider live youtube channel they kick off at 10 a.m pacific and i will see you tomorrow morning 9 a.m pt right here for a brand new movie talk Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.